Well, um, a great and warm welcome to all of you this morning. It is my privilege to take us another step into this journey through Colossians and our series, Reality Check. Um, this week was, was a real reality check week for me personally, for us as a family, for the Every Nation family, in that we, uh, we had to have a memorial for someone in this church that was an amazing woman of God, a mom, um, a wife, and she is now with Jesus. And on Thursday, we celebrated an incredible life, well-lived. Um, and throughout this week, this thought of, of just checking in with what matters in life and what is important and a reality check on how we live and, and how we pass from this life into the next has really brought this message to life personally on a whole nother level. And this morning, I believe as we, as we take a deeper look into the, the letter to Colossians that God is going to speak to us and even this morning having a conversation in this room with, with the prayer team with us and, and the team here that the reality check we all have and checking His Word would show us just how simple it is. Exciting news is that we now also have a version reading plan for this series called Smart Device. And under the check is this brand new York. That's great. It's great for you to hear this as often as you potentially can. And then kids, I have great news for you. Hang in there because very soon we will have a reading plan ready for you as well. Your own version on version that you can read through Colossians. But in the meantime, do start with your parents and um, as you are signed in here with us today, because I believe Jesus is going to speak to you already. And then you just read it again. The more you read it, the better. There will be some memory verses for the kids as well. So we will update you as soon as that takes place. So without further ado, if you've got your Bible with you, I hope you do. Please open up to the letter of Colossians. I'm going to be reading our portion of scripture for us that we're going to go through this morning. And then we're going to get stuck into the message on God's heart for us as a people. This morning, reading I'll be doing from the ESV translation. And we are going to read Colossians 1 verse 3 to 14 together. Here we go. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Lord Jesus, as we open up these words. May your Holy Spirit reveal to us your intent. May our lives align to that. And may we leave here this morning understanding a little message, a new reality. The series is called Reality Check, and throughout the weeks, we'll be looking at various aspects of the reality of being a disciple of Jesus. And this morning, we're talking about this new reality, that things are completely different the day you meet Jesus. 
that the old is gone and the new has come and that there's a complete new way of life. Paul expounds on it and he explains throughout the letter what that reality looks like. What I love about the letter of Colossians, as Helene and I were talking about it, it's got some, some big ideas and some big words and some, some passages that you've got to read once, twice, three, four times before you understand it. But then at the same time, it is so practical and simple. So this morning, I believe the message is going to be much more on the practical side of things to help us to live in this new reality. Starting in, in verse 3 and, and getting a little bit behind how Paul might have felt in writing this letter. It sounds like he's pretty pumped that he gets to write a letter to these people who's living in this new reality. He says, we are always giving thanks. And since we have heard, we've not stopped praying. He's speaking with emotional language like, yes, guys, when we think of you, man, our hearts are filled with gratitude. We just give thanks to people like you who's following Jesus today. And you know what? You guys are living the new reality which we give our lives for. The gospel of Jesus has come and you're now living in it. Come on, how amazing that is. Sometimes when we read the Bible, all of that emotion gets left. But the words he uses like Colossians, when we think of you, man, we don't stop giving thanks to God. And I can imagine if Paul ever had to be there, how he would just throw up his hands and worship like, Jesus, this is amazing that you love this community and they love you so well. He ends up portion, and that's where we're going to end this morning, uh, talking about the domain of darkness and the kingdom of light. And he ends by saying, Jesus has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom. Am I living in that understanding that the domain of darkness has no right and hold on me anymore because the light of Jesus Christ and the gospel has come and I now live in the light. I have no fellowship with darkness, as it says in John or in 1 John. I walk in the light. So this morning we're going to celebrate that we are walking from darkness and that we have seen the great light and that that light has changed us. Then Paul carries on and he, he brings to mind a phrase or a concept which he really loves. And we find this in, in the letter of Corinthians. We find this in the letter to the Thessalonians where he speaks about three attributes or virtues in our Christian faith. He speaks about faith, love, and hope. You guys have heard that before, right? Almost the three, three elevated virtues that we should have as Christians. But it's interesting how he positions it this time around in this letter. It doesn't just say you have to ought to live by faith, hope, and love, and love being the greatest of the three. He, he, he plays around with the, the setting up of this a little bit. He says, your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for the saints, and then he says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The reason he writes this is, if we understand the hope we have in heaven, our life will result in a life of faith in Jesus and love for the saints. And again this week, walking through a memorial with a family, blessed because they have a hope held for them in heaven. Therefore, when we celebrated this life, there was faith in the room and there was a, a love for one another together. So Paul's, Paul brings a different angle to, to these three virtues in our Christian faith. And he says, understand what you have in heaven. Understand that when, I, when Christ returns, he is going to bring a new heaven and a new earth and all the tears and difficulties and the darkness that surrounds us will be gone. So hold on to your faith and hold on to loving one another. That's a message that we need and I need every single day of my life. And then he continues on and he, 
he reminds the, the church in Colossae how this came about. He speaks about the ever-increasing gospel. The ever-increasing gospel. Now, if you're a little bit like me and you, you, you want to understand what's happening in the world and you want to see how things are, there's been an evidence. But you know, it's only been a year and a bit and it is devastating. Since the beginning of time, the kingdom of God has been advancing. Non-stop, all the time. And Paul brings this thought back to the church in Colossians. and says, guys, remember how you were moved out of this previous reality into the new realities that the gospel has come to you, but not just you. It is reaching the whole world far and wide, and it keeps on bearing fruit, and it keeps on moving and always changing lives. It never stops. And even in a season where we couldn't do church the way we want to, the church of Christ is strong. It has grown. We're not in limbo. We're not waiting for a better day. We are in the better day because of Jesus Christ in our midst and His gospel message that we have received. That's a reality that we cannot lose sight of. That once the gospel comes, it's work in ourselves. We need to hear the gospel often and all the time. Because we do make mistakes. We do lose, lose the perspective of our new reality. And, 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 and Paul is saying, this gospel that started its work in you, let that work continue. Let it increase. Let it grow. Let your understanding of it grow. And that's what I love about this letter because it's going to speak about the gospel quite a lot so that we understand this new reality. You see, the power of the gospel is not just in the moment of salvation. It is darkness has no right on us. That we need to come in with repentance, turn away from the things in our life that hold us back from Jesus before all things. Paul then continues, and he does something important. He honors the leadership of that church community. He speaks about the founder of the church, Epaphras, and he says, Listen, guys, he's been ministering to you. So he, he points to the, the idea that leadership is essential in helping people journey, but then he also models something of leadership. He reminds them of the central responsibilities that leaders have to pray for communities. Because he says right there again, we have not stopped interceding. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. May I say this boldly, because it's true, the leadership of this church and the prayer team of this church have been praying for you. And this has been our prayer. Lord, let our people, yes, there's practical things and material things and, and, and difficult things. And we do pray for those. But ultimately, Lord, we pray and the greatest prayers of intercession will be let our people grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding. Because we live in a real spirit in such a way that it's worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. And that's really where I want to focus this morning. How do we live worthy of the Lord? And Paul actually gives us very practical things. Fully pleasing Him. You are in a new reality when you have found Jesus and have given your life to Him. Are you what God? And our culture and, and lifestyle and man and friends and family and the system and stuff around us depicts so often that we walk worthy of that. That there's some certain things we ought to do. But Paul says, not you, disciples of Jesus. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk in a way that when people see your life, they're like, man, he is walking so beautifully to point to Jesus Christ. He also says, walk in a manner that's fully pleasing to the Lord. No half measure. 
not just a little bit. And I'll talk about how some of us live in between these two realities. Like, Lord, I'll give you some of it and let your light shine on some of my life. But uh, there's some things. And Paul says, no, you know what? You ought not to live like that. But to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, it means that the light is fully shining and you're fully living in the kingdom of his son. I've got a friend to help me share this morning. And I'm going to read a few thoughts from a little book by A.W. Tozer. Something that I downloaded as a light read at the beginning of the December um, season. And I found it to be anything but a light read. Um, some of these chapters are only four pages. And some of them I've spent weeks on reading and rereading because the way he thinks. And, and he speaks about what he calls the scandal of Christianity. How for some reason Christians know their calling, know their new reality, but complacency comes in. And they kind of just settle down with some degree of discipleship some degree of following Jesus. And he paints an interesting picture, which I'll read about. He says, we look at the saints, we look at the Pauls, we look at the people in the Bible, we look at the men and women in history who has gone before us, and they scaled the mountains of, of real deep spiritual growth. And we kind of look at it, and some of us really try and pursue it, but somehow most of us just settle down with a degree of it. So let's read from from Tozer's book, and it's a little book called Man, the Dwelling Place of God. And he speaks about our Christian walk, and he says, Christians know, and when they are pressed, will admit that their finite hearts have explored a pitifully small part of the infinite riches that are theirs in Christ Jesus. They read the lives of the great saints whose fervor desire after God carried them far up on the mountain towards spiritual perfection. And for a brief moment, they yearn to be like these fiery souls whose light and fragrance still linger in the world today, where we see lives are too insistent. So they settle back to live their life in an ordinary means and accept the customary as normal. After a while, they manage to achieve some kind of inner content, and that is the last we hear of them. And this is what Paul is writing about. He says, you've received this gospel. You're living in this new reality. You've been saved from darkness to light. Now, come on. Let there be a fire in your soul to walk worthy. Let it be so inside of you that I want to live my life and build my life on Jesus and Him alone. I'm not going to settle back just for life and become comfortable, and like, I see other people do that, and how is a great Christian, and yeah, that one has got plenty of faith, the words we use, you know, but I think Jesus looks at his church, and he says, I'm after those who's, who's fully and wholeheartedly saying, I'm going to walk worthy of him. So Paul brings four thoughts to mind, and that's what your four quadrants on your piece of paper is about, and in a moment, we're going to take some time to actually write on our papers, but he gives us four things. He says, walk in a manner fully pleasing the Lord. And then in the English Bible, there's a colon there, which then explains to us how do we do it. And I love how practical it is. It's first of all, bearing fruit in every good work. Christians are fruitful. Christians ought to be fruitful. On Friday, I was up in Elgin on a farm there, and I was given a massive red apple. And I was told how this apple was picked from the tree this morning on an organic farm. And then I was also told how most of the apples we buy in the supermarkets have been in a pack, package storage room for 
around three, four, five, six months. And then the individual gave me the apple said, eat that and just compare in your mind the taste to the other apples you've had that you bought off the shelf. And, and it made me think of our Christian walk. You see, it's that moment that the right moment of being picked, that right moment of stepping into this new reality. That's the potential in all of us. But somehow we end up in the back store. We end up holding back. We end up in a place where we just kind of settle there and like all the rest of the apples, we wait for the day that it's my time to get in a bag and get shipped off to the... It's a silly metaphor for someone to eat and say, wow, what is this? Fruitfulness ought to be done in such a way that, that our lives are walking in all the good things that it has for us. So I want to ask you the question, are you, are you walking in fruitfulness in a manner that is worthy of God? You see it this morning. First of all, through intentional effort. The world that we follow Jesus and that we live in this new reality. But then there's also the letter to the church in Galatia that speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. It is a Spirit-empowered reality. It's trusting that the Holy Spirit will produce in us the fruits that we need to live in this life. But I want to bring, I believe, the most important thought to you this morning on how to be fruitful. Jesus said in John 15, is by abiding. And this is something we say here in this church often, and we will keep on saying. Jesus said, whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And what it means for us practically as we go through Colossians is to keep Jesus before all things. This is a phrase we're going to be talking about throughout this series. So if you want to be walking in a manner worthy of Lord, of the Lord, understand these things. Be intentional in your effort. Let the Holy Spirit infuse you with the fruit of the Spirit, but abide in Jesus. Be with Him. Be near Him. Be in relationship with Him. The Psalms open up with this concept. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and all its leaves does not wither and in all that he does, he prospers. Paul says, if you want to walk worthy, you've got to be a fruit-bearing follower of Jesus. And then Psalm 1 kind of connects with the second thing that Paul says. Psalm 1 just told us that we ought to meditate on his word, on his law, on his precepts day and night. And the second thing Paul brings to us as how to walk worthy is to increase in the knowledge of God. This world that we live in is constantly throwing new knowledge at us. At the rate things are changing and updated, you kind of feel left out when you're somewhere with people and say, like, have you heard the latest? And like, no, listen, I'm four days back on the news because it's like this the whole time. But the knowledge of God and the revelation of God has been the same in how He has revealed Himself. Yesterday, today, forever the same. We've got the written scriptures and we've got the history of, of, of Israel and, and Jesus and the gospel in the first church. And that has been constant. And somehow all the new knowledge of the world is, is fighting for our attention. And all we have to do is just go back to the knowledge we have already received. Paul said, if you want to walk worthy of the Lord increase in your knowledge of Him. Spend time growing in your knowledge of God. You know what? That's the best time you can spend and that is time never wasted. Understanding Him more. 
to walk worthy of him, we've got to know him. We've got to know his desires. We've got to know his ways. If you want to walk worthy in a relationship with a friend, you want to know what that friend's desires is for the relationship. Then you can live in a way that brings honor to that friend. And that again comes through abiding. It's through abiding in his word and reading it again and again and again. To get a reading plan that takes you through the whole Bible, maybe year after year after year. To read Colossians 10 times over the next three months. That would be amazing. That's how we grow in our understanding of God. You see, when our knowledge of God increases, the knowledge of the world will slowly fade back and decrease. So we walk worthy by being fruit-bearing. We walk worthy by increasing our knowledge of God through worship and prayer and word and fellowship. But then he speaks about a third way that we walk worthy, and he speaks about our endurance, endurance and patience. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience. And this is an interesting one. Paul says you ought to live in endurance, especially this church, because we spoke about the threats that were against them. But this time around, he gives them a different view on endurance. He says, it's not up to you to try and endure, to try and be strong. He says, we pray that you would be strengthened with all the power according to God's might, so that you can endure and be patient. What a season we are in of endurance for us as individuals and the church. But it's by His power and by His might. Hebrews 12 speaks about enduring and running the race with endurance, throwing off the cares of this world and the sin that easily ensnares us. And then it teaches us how do we endure. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So endurance and patience come simply at looking at Jesus, at the example, and saying, Christ, will you give me your power and your ability and your might to endure in this moment? Because I want to live worthy of you. The enemy is having a field day, taking out Christians who's not willing to endure. And this is, a, this is something I want to say, let that not happen to you, please. If you follow Jesus, pursue Him greater than ever before. Don't be part of the data and the ones falling by the wayside because this season is just too hard. This is the season to double down in our times with the Lord. It is the season to double down in our studying of the Word. It is the season to double down on how we show the world that we are fruit-bearing Christians. And we can be enduring because we have Jesus as an example. Again, abundance are against you. Just quiet it. And say, Jesus, I'm putting my focus back on you. Because he is the founder, the perfecter of our faith. And he will be faithful in working more endurance and patience into your life. Don't give up. I beg of you, don't give up. If you need someone to pray with you, to see you through a season, do that. Reach out, but don't give up. Let endurance be part of the way that you walk worthy of him. And then he ends with a very joyful encouragement. He says, and do all of this with joy and thanksgiving to the Father. Another way that we spill that has changed us and moved us out of darkness and positioned us in light, that we have a son that has gone before us, Jesus Christ, who's working on behalf of us, who gives us the strength to endure, that we have fruit to bear and good works to, works to live in, that he has given us everything we need. The Bible says everything we need pertaining to godliness has been given to us. Every spiritual blessing has been given to us. So we have reason to be joyful. 
We have reason to rejoice. We have reason to give thanks. We have reason to say, Lord, remind us of our salvation and restore to us the joy of our salvation. You see how deeply practical and simple it is in Paul's view. He says, Colossians, walk worthy. And he has four simple things. Bear fruit, increase in your knowledge of God. Endure, not by your own strength, but by His might. And be joyful. Can we be that people who live like that? Just four simple things. And to wrap up His appeal and, and the appeal to us this morning to live like that, He takes us to the thought of the two domains. He says, you have been saved out of darkness into light. And you now need to live out of this place on this side in light. But then I want to take it a little bit further, talking about the idea, and I'm going to switch my focus to this side. Talking about the idea of fruitfulness, increasing in knowledge, endurance, and joy. You see, while we are in the domain of darkness, we can try and be fruitful as much as we want to. But it's not really seen. We can try and endure as much as we want to, but it's not by God's strength. It's by our own means to get through this season. And it breaks my heart to look at the world that's trying to endure through all that it's going through, but it's just not experiencing the light. And we want to increase in knowledge, but in darkness, it's definitely not the increase of God's knowledge. And will we be joyful in this dark state? Not at all. And he says, I have moved you to this side. You are now in the kingdom. So fruit will be seen because it's in the light. Endurance is available because of Jesus and you knowing Christ Jesus. You can have joy and live in joy because you're living in the light. And you can increase in the knowledge of God not in our own knowledge or the knowledge of this world. So live here because it's in this space that all of life and the reality check we need comes to life. Here's the encouragement. God, but we do it without joy, without, because we love Him. And some of us go between these two spaces. And I just want to say in a very simple manner to us, every nation comes to West, Let's live here. He has moved us from there to here. And everything we do in darkness is wasted time, is, as the Bible says, filthy rags. But because we are now in the kingdom of light, we can be people who are fruit-bearing, increasing in our knowledge of God, joyful and enduring because of Jesus Christ. So this morning, what we're going to do so I'm going to give you five minutes in your homes or wherever you're listening to this to take this piece of paper and write the four points there. Fruit-bearing, increasing in knowledge, endurance, and joy. And ask Holy Spirit to show you where you ought to grow. Ask Him to, sp to speak to you maybe about spaces of, of fruit-bearing where you have neglected to be fruitful in your walk. Maybe He reveals to you that you've tried to endure out of your own strength or that joy is not really in your vocabulary at this season because you've been looking at the increase of knowledge of the world around you instead of the increase of the knowledge of, of Him. And, and to help us, I'm going to quickly go back to my friend Toza this morning. And, and he writes down some thoughts. And maybe some of these thoughts will help you, will spark an idea in your own world of how you could live 
worthy of Him. And I'm going to read it, and once I'm done reading, there will be a slide up of, of our scripture, and then we're going to give you time to just spend with Him. But He says this, to the Christian who wants to walk worthy, to the Christian who really wants to take this desire of walking up the spiritual mountain that God has for him. He says, strive to get beyond the mere pensive longing. Set your face like a flint and begin to put your life in order. Every man is as holy as he really wants to be. But the want must be all compelling. Tie up the loose ends of your life. Begin to tithe. Institute family prayer. Pay up your debts as far as possible and make some kind of frank arrangement with every creditor you cannot pay immediately. Make restitution as far as you can. Set time aside to pray every day and search the scriptures. Surrender wholly to the will of God. You will be surprised and delighted with the results. Put away every unchristian habit inside of you. If other Christians practice it without compunction, God may be calling you to come nearer to Him than these other Christians dare to come. Remember the words others may, you cannot. Do not condemn or criticize, but seek a better way. God will honor you. Get Christ Himself in the focus of your heart and keep Him there continually. Only in Christ will you find complete fulfillment. Can I say that again? Only in Christ will you find complete fulfillment. Only in Him. Anything else we through Christ. Cultivate His knowledge above everything else in this world. Throw your heart open to the Holy Spirit and invite Him to fill you. He will do it. Let no one interpret the Scriptures for you in such a way as to rule out the Father's gift of the Holy Spirit. And then He, he ends off by saying this. Every man is as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. Make your heart a vacuum and the Spirit will rush in to fill it. Let any Christian do these things and he will make rapid spiritual progress. He will work, walk worthy of the Lord. There is every reason why we should go forward in our Christian lives and no reason why we should not let us go on. And Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that you would show us the real practical things and the real spiritual things that each one of us can do today to set our lives back on track in walking worthy of the kingdom of light, which you have given to us through your Son. And I ask that in Jesus' name. May your Holy Spirit speak to every heart in this moment. Amen. It's you and Jesus' time. Take some time to look at these things and write down the areas that He is speaking to you about where you ought to walk worthy.